Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, on a chilly Friday evening. And by chilly, I don't mean the chilly dog. I mean it's fairly cold out. So, time to uh, get the podcast done. Um, Sarah Goldman is the guest this time. And we have a pretty interesting conversation Um Actually, this time, not just about adventure racing, but about some other kind of cool things. So, hope you enjoy it. Um, coincidentally, but not because, um, had a few comments that we need more women on the podcast. And I think uh, it's been a pretty good mix so far. But I will say that it's the adventure race syndrome. There are more men. Uh, and for some reason, it seems like a larger percentage of the women that I talk to aren't interested, um, don't want to talk to me. It's kind of the story of my life when I was young. So um, not that uh, there's not a lot of, uh, or some of the men, things fall through and don't happen and things like that. So um, just, just so you know, I try. Um, there's a lot of very interesting women to talk to out there. So I will keep uh, after them and try to get them on the show. So uh, for now, Sarah will have to speak for all women everywhere, all the time. No pressure there. So um, just because I haven't done this for a while, you could go to iTunes and give us a rating. Like a really high one would be cool. Um, or you can donate, go to PayPal, uh, legendaryrandyericksonfilms at gmail.com and leave a donation, or you could sponsor the podcast, or you could hire me to take pictures and video, or, I don't know, buy, me, buy a Powerball ticket tonight and... Uh, Oops, it'll be too late now. Buy it because they're not going to win this week. So buy one next week and then uh, split it with me after you win. How's that sound? So I guess here we go. Oh, things are coming up. Let's see if I can count this down. So everybody go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. And see you next week. Well, we'll give it a try. It it echoes in my head, but not on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I, I guess that's I, good so um, yeah I tried a whole bunch of things and nothing I did this one other time you'd think I'd know by now you would think you would it, think. and I'm how many times have I said you would think I would know by now yeah right for sure <laughs> so I'll just keep okay. turning it down yeah um, okay you ready for the hard uh, Mike Wallace, 60 minutes question. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. How fast can you drive around town and not get a ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling it was going to be something like that. <laughs> oh, well, I'm getting predictable. Uh, conveniently, um, you can't really drive that fast in this little town anyway, so no. it's, it's all right. <laughs> so It's all right. <laughs> and why do I think that maybe you are a lead foot? I have no idea why you would think that. I haven't had a ticket in like, I don't know, 15 years probably, something yeah. like that. Yeah, well, you got pulled <laughs> pull with the cops. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> I do always make sure our vehicles are registered in both of our names. There you go. <laughs> and uh, and uh, big sticker on the back says, I support the police. Ah, none of that. None of that. We're all about being subtle, you know. Okay. So um, how are you? I'm great. I'm awesome. Awesome day. So, do you have have fun playing or did you have to work? Uh, I got to do a little bit of both, which was awesome. Um, it's a pretty sweet lifestyle I have carved out for myself. I get to kind of train in the mornings and then uh, do some work in the afternoon. So it's kind of nice. But winter sort of arrived finally to the south today. Oh, what, you got a quarter inch of snow? No, we just had <laughs> like eight degrees when I went to leave the house. And I'm just, my body's not used to that yet. Oh. So uh it was like my coldest run today by like over 20 degrees so that was a little bit of a shock to the system for sure it would be although last night i got done at about seven it was 34 degrees and then 10 at night it was 40. so yeah that's weird (laughs) (laughs) other than we get that kind of weather that's that's the nice thing about here in in western south dakota yeah um Let's see, what should we start? Let's start with coaching. Yeah. So what what do you do? What do I do? <laughs> You're okay. a coach. I'm a coach. I am. I am. And I there's no like descriptive adjective beforehand to say what kind of coach, right? Yeah. Um so coaching, and this is typically what people think of as being life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my favorite phrase in the world, um, which is why I don't use it, but that's for a reference point for folks. Um, coaching is uh, really a relationship, right? So it's a relationship between a coach and a client that's synergistic in nature that solely benefits the client. Or not solely, but is designed to benefit the client, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's creating a relationship that you know provides accountability it provides a perspective shift um, and it's really sort of you know it's it's a piece of the self-improvement industry right so yeah. a lot of folks will go to a conference or the little workshop or they'll read a bunch of books kind of in isolation um, getting a coach is kind of just a different you know piece of that whole puzzle and mm. how did you become a coach well, there's how and there's why, right? So yeah. How, well, yeah, yeah, let's do both. Yeah. So, um, so how, first of all, is there is a certification process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a really big industry, and there's and it's an unregulated industry, right? So yeah. at this point, anyone can really say, "Hey, I'm a coach." Um, but I actually have gone through a certification program, a certified perse- professional success coach. Um, so we have a particular code of ethics, and for anyone who's, you know, interested in getting a coach, you don't necessarily. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different certification programs out there. I would just encourage someone to find someone who's at least been through something, and then that way they at least have uh, some sort of background and some sort of code of ethics they ascribe to. Um, so that's that's part of the how, right? Yeah. Um, but but why for me is that I had a powerful experience, um, sort of by not by mistake, but um, I didn't seek out a coach, but I ended up encountering one about six or seven years ago. I attended a, an all-women's ice climbing program called Chicks with Picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that program was run by a life coach, a woman who's a coach. And she asks really powerful questions. And she was able to ask me some powerful questions and kind of started my life down a little bit of a different path than it had been on at the time. And so that was just a really powerful thing for me. And so seeing how that had an effect on me, um, I can see how that affects other folks. And so it just uh, has been a great fit. So interesting. Um, and you know how this works. So we're going on a tangent right now. Yeah, 
tangent away. Um, why do you think that ice climbing video freaked you out so much now? Oh gosh, you know, asking asking me a question about me and my emotions around climbing is a is a tough one. Um, you know, I had aspirations at a time to to do some climbing professionally and mm. sort of go down the guide route and all of that. And I'm not sure that those are completely put to bed yet. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you saw one of the comments on there. You know, it was just uh, it was actually my dad that answered and said something about how. You know, when you're a part of something that you're you're afraid of losing, you're less likely to take risks. And I have to admit that yeah. I don't think it has to do with taking the risk because I don't. It's not the risk. Um, I think it's just more. You know, I don't. I don't want to fall. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're climbing on frozen waterfalls that are barely attached to mm -hmm. the rock you're in front of, or they're not attached at all, uh, yeah, you really don't want to fall then. So it's it's one thing to 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 take a big whipper on some trad gear in some granite, and it's another thing to. Uh, fall on a you know stubby screw yeah or ride a whole ice fall down yeah so. totally i mean i you know people say oh did you ever climb and i'm like i quit climbing before you were born because i yeah. climbed a lot in high school and stuff and then we were out one day and i was up on the rock in the needles and it's like you know i don't really like this that much why am i yeah. here <laughs> Yeah, I totally understand that. You know, I I love big days out in the mountains, right? Like that's mm. that's part of why I adventure race. That's why I've climbed. Uh, I just love being out deep into the mountains, right? And climbing yeah. was just a, is a really great avenue to do that. Um, but yeah, I've got some work to do in that area in my mindset and kind of figure out what the heck's going on with me and my brain and climbing. And uh, Tammy would really appreciate it if I would because I'm her number one climbing partner and I haven't been super active with her lately. And she would appreciate it, I'm sure. So is it just ice climbing or all climbing? All of it, yeah. So yeah. I've been, which is kind of one of the, you know, kind of what led me into adventure racing too. But mm. um, yeah, so, you know, ice climbing is what kind of brought me back to the sport of rock climbing. Um, that was like 2008 or so. Yeah. I attended, like I said, these clinics and started climbing ice, which I'd never done before. It was just something I'd always wanted to do. Went out and did it. Um, and then I've been in the big mountains. I've been, you know, down in South America on some of the big guys down there. Uh, and then just alpine rock climbing in Canada. I've kind of been all over the world getting to do some cool stuff. Uh, kind of all that falls in the climbing umbrella. Yeah. Do you think that the adventure racing is kind of um, taking care of that part of your your gene system? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it gets me out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, right? Is it gets me out into the, the big mountains or to the big big days in the mountains or big days outside. And so, yeah, yeah for now, it's totally satisfying that. But it's, uh, it's an itch that's still there. And, and that's why hopefully I'll end up in a race someday where I can at least do some glacier travel. That's why I was <laughs> in alaska last year for sure yeah well you should have been to primal quest go yeah. up caldo oh, yuck. <laughs> yeah, okay. so um back to coaching yeah what what is the biggest change that you can that you can see that you can do for somebody or in you know in in a in a kind of a short term. I mean, when you start with yeah. somebody, can you give them progress right away? 
Yeah, totally. So that's one of the things that, uh, especially sort of where I come from with kind of my company and my brand, right, this idea of action first, mm-hmm. um, is that when you talk to me, you're going to be left immediately with something to do, right? Yeah. I'm always going to leave some with a, with a task. And sometimes that's more thought-oriented. Sometimes that's very much concretely, you know, taking a step um, and doing a particular action that you haven't done. And what, as a coach, I can do is provide accountability for that. Um, but in terms of, like, you know, the, the greatest change is that what we'll, what I hope to do is really shift the mindsets for people, right? Mm-hmm. So that so that you're not only going to have success when you're directly working with me, but that that lasts, right? So yeah. being able to change somebody's perspective on something can last a lifetime, truly, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're so in something and you don't have somebody who's taking a long view for you, it's hard to be able to make that shift for yourself. Yeah. So will you give them... A physical task or a mental task or both? So it depends, right? It depends on what they're after. So everybody kind of comes to me with different things that they're wanting to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one client might have a mindset thing that they're really dealing with, which is like maybe a fear of failure or or that's the root of their cause, right? Is this like something around failure? So Mm -hmm. maybe one of the tasks would be a, a mentally driven task, right? And I do, like when I give workshops, I talk a lot about how, you know, our conscious mind controls our subconscious, right? Your subconscious is going to believe whatever you tell it, whether it's a truth or a lie, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are worried about failing and you can tell yourself that you're a success, your subconscious is actually going to believe that. Your subconscious (laughs) doesn't really have the ability to create its own thoughts. It's only got what the consciousness tells us, tells it. Um, So, you know, that would be like a mental task. For somebody else who maybe comes to me with something very fitness-oriented, fitness-specific, you know, it's very much, I mean, I'll do training plans for folks um, just starting getting to do that just now. Um, But, you know, if it's something specific where it's like, I need you to go outside and tell me that you walked for 20 minutes today, right? And you didn't do that yesterday and you haven't done it before, but you're going to do it today. And then I provide that accountability and they do it. Yeah, makes sense. the piece, though, that's important about this, right, whether it's a mental task or a physical task, is that they're going to complete it, and I give them every confidence that they're going to complete it, and then that's a victory, right? And so victories compound on each other, and even if it's a very small victory, you still have to take the time to celebrate that. And once you celebrate that and you feel that sense of achievement, the next day you're going to be able to do something just a little bit more. Yeah. And so it's really getting folks to sort of have that perspective. Yeah, get that first uh yeah, the first victory. Yeah, totally, because change is change. Whether it's very incremental or it's some massive rip the band-aid type thing, you know, it changes change. And, and movement in a direction that you haven't been before is really what most folks are looking for. Yeah, makes sense. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I know not, from, no, well, from uh, experience that if you say something long enough, it happens. So if you say legendary long enough, people start to believe you. You know what, Randy? I mean, it's the truth, right? It is. It really is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Um, and there's and there's science that backs that up. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that we don't say it just because it's fun. I mean, the whole idea of fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. you know, yep. is 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 rooted in science. I mean, it's rooted in the, in the idea, in the way our what we little we know about our brain and how how it works, right? Yeah. So I use this personally for me in my training and racing because, you know, hey, I'm pretty new to the sport. You know, I've only been around a couple of years and I've just now sort of, you know, come into a level where I'm competing sort of differently. And, you know, I struggle for sure, right? And mm-hmm. so for me in my big training days or during races even, it's like when that negative self-talk creeps in, I know that I can turn that around 
by saying certain things out loud, you know, or loud enough for myself to hear them to really turn that around. And I do it. I mean, I do it in every race and almost every day training. So, um, do you think it's easier for you to do that because you teach it and know it than somebody that you're saying, if, if you say you're good, you're good. Um, I think that I'm, you know, I'm able to put into practice sort of what I preach. Mm-hmm. And so, sure, is it easier because it's on my mind all the time? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But if somebody's come to me and they're like, hey, I'm struggling with this and I need a specific tactic. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a tactic, right? I mean, this, is, this isn't a strategy. This is definitely, hey, here's a thing you can do. So if they can remember, this is the thing I'm going to do when I feel this or whatever, you know, it's... I really try to teach people the concept of, you know, you your strong self really has to prepare for your future weakened state, right? Mm-hmm. So in that moment when you have all of your conviction and you're feeling great and you're totally strong, you have to be able to be prepared for that moment when you're going to feel terrible, right? Yeah. And so yeah. so normally people are when they're talking with me are in their strong sense and I'm like, okay, we're going to give you this this tool so that when you feel crappy down the road, you can implement it. So that's that's interesting. Um, do you think adventure racing affects your coaching or coaching affects your adventure racing more? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, they're, they're kind of one and the same, right? I yeah. mean, that's sort of the great, great thing about what I do is that, you know, coaching is sort of just a part of me. Adventure racing is a part of me. They're sort of just all intertwined. It's great to be able to if I didn't adventure race, if I didn't challenge myself in that way, I don't think that I would have the validity with my clients who I'm asking for them to challenge themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so for somebody, it's just the equivalent of somebody trying to get off the couch and do their first 5K, which I might be working with them for. I have a client right now who's uh, training for her first triathlons and we're working through that. You know, it's like yeah. for me to have a, a comparable struggle, you know, sure, for me, that's an expedition race, right? Like, so it's yeah. sort of, you know, it's it's all relative. So I think it's just important that I can add that sort of validity to my practice. Yeah. Well, definitely on the athletic side and and if people know anything about adventure racing, then it adds up on the uh, mental side too. Yeah, totally. So, so how did you get started adventure racing? So how I, I first started racing about three years ago um, mm-hmm. with Andy and Michelle's Adventure Addicts races and uh, Rev3, I did their sprint that was mm-hmm. during the epic weekend. Uh, my best friend and I um, had always sort of just said we wanted to do one and so we did it. Um, what appeals to me about adventure racing and why we sort of were interested in doing it is uh, we had been you know, wilderness leaders together for years as, as you know, late teenagers and, and early young adults. And just love again being out in the mountains, right? And out in the, the outdoors. And just thought about these trips, right? And the best part about these trips were always those experiences when things didn't go right, right? Mm-hmm. So when somebody got hurt and you had to do a carry out or, you know, you ended up running out of food and eating oatmeal with soy sauce and garlic on it for three days, you know, the stuff that just, those are where the memories come from, right? Like yeah. it's the real epic experiences. And so I feel like adventure races are like contrived epics, right? Because mm-hmm. you would yeah. never like just go do this in a normal day. I mean, sure, some of us would now, but yeah. you know, in this sense of like, I'm not, I wouldn't just go do this for, for 24 hours. Um, but it always ends up kind of feeling like an epic afterwards. And, you know, those are always the most memorable pieces of being outside for me. Yeah. That's, uh, I just saw a post that um, I think it was uh, Jason and Chelsea did 16 sports on New Year's Day. 
Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, what 16 sports could I do? So Yeah, right? Totally. Hey, I did like two hikes. <laughs> we um, did like a decathlon one day, but it was like, it wasn't sports. We went to like an arcade and then we went bowling and then we like just did all these stupid activities, all batting cages, the like driving range. I mean, it wasn't, you know, outdoor stuff, but it was just... How many weird things can we do all on the same day? That actually sounds kind of fun. It was. <laughs> it was. But, um, so you started out with sprint racing. How long did it take you before you're like, uh, let's do something longer? Yeah, so I was like right away. Um, Trisha, who I was racing with, my we've been best friends for years and years and years. She was an all-American cross-country runner mm -hmm. and, you know, that first adventure race sort of blew her mind because she was like, wait, we have to like find things and like, I just want to go. I want to start <laughs> and I finish, right? Yeah. And I, at first I thought the same thing, but you know, I, I did a couple races and then I, I did a race solo, um, a sprint solo and just had an awesome, awesome time. Did really well, um, was able to place really high and I was like, all right, I'm in, let's yeah. do it. So yeah. next year I did the Shenandoah Epic um, and it's just sort of been off to the races since then. So to speak. <laughs> so to speak, yeah. So, um, yeah. what what's kind of your goal in adventure racing? Where do you, where do you what are you working towards? Um, yeah, so I want to be able to hang, right? Yeah. Um, there's my my personal fitness, right, which is being able to hang with anybody who would be willing to race with me, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're fortunate as ladies to often get invitations to race with different folks. Yep. Um, and I always want to be able to hang. That's you know first and foremost. Uh, and you know number two, I think the big goal really, um, you know, I really would like to race internationally. That's something that I see as uh, just a really exciting kind of challenge out there. Hmm. So. Um, that's probably the you know the two big things. Like obviously, I'm like I said, pretty new, especially here to expedition racing, and so I've got some time to still get my my feet wet and learn some more. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the big thing there. Yeah. So was Cowboy Tough first expedition? Yeah. So we did. So Glenn and I, my teammate at Cowboy, we also did the Equinox Traverse in the spring. It was only you know it's forty eight hours, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, that was the first one. So and. How did your body and mind take to that? <laughs> um, let's see. So body did great, right? Yeah. Body did awesome. Um, you know, it, it did what it could do, right? It, it was not, uh, nothing, nothing really failed us. I mean, we had some navigation challenges, which ended up affecting our race. Um, but that's just because we were both, you know, just sort of new to what we were doing. And there was some challenging stuff going on there. Definitely. Um, definitely. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, body did great. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a coach. And so I, uh, in order for me to say that coaching is good, I have to have my own coach, right? So mm -hmm. I actually have two coaches. Um, I have a woman uh, that kind of I work with on the life coaching side of things who's been a mentor for me. And then I have a coach that does all my fitness programming for me. Her name's Jen Sager out of Canada, and she's yep. freaking awesome. Yep. And so she had my body totally ready to go. So that was not uh, a huge issue given the pace that we were moving at. Uh, and the mind, you know, that was a tough one. It was tough. <laughs> did you did you have a meltdown? Um, you know, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, you know, so day day three. Um, overall, that ranch land was 
kind of crazy. We got pretty lost for a pretty long time. Um, and I didn't really have a meltdown over being lost. Like, whatever, we were lost, it's cool, whatever. You know, I don't, I'm not going to get stressed out about that. It doesn't help. I think what, once we finally got reoriented, we had to make a decision about what we were going to do because um, we were in a situation where it was like, okay, we've been lost for six or seven hours now and we're way behind where we need to be and, you know, kind of which way's out is sort of our thought, right? Mm -hmm. is, it, is it back to the road and let's throw out the flag and try to find a way to get picked up somewhere or is it go on? And uh, I think my meltdown, well, I know my meltdown kind of came during my, is it, is it time to, we're going to go on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I was more frustrated that we were in that position again of having to make a choice, you know, the yeah. position of, you know, what are we doing with this right now? Um, and Glenn laughed because I, I looked at him and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a good cry. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to have a cry, right? That was yeah. sort of our conversation. And I'm like, I'm going over here. And I walked like two steps and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> like I probably could have touched him from when I was. Yeah. Uh, but that was actually like an awesome example of having my stronger self being preparing for my future weekend state, right? Mm -hmm. And so I utilized a trick, which is um, something that was shared with me by a good friend about writing a note to yourself, right? Yeah. Like when you're in your best and greatest and like best place that you can be, you know, write yourself a letter, right? And mm -hmm. especially something like adventure racing where you could actually carry that and take time to read it. Um, you know, that's a, an option for you, right? So yeah. I knew for me that what was going to motivate me the most wasn't going to be something I would have written. It was going to be something that Tammy, my wife, would have written, right? Yeah. And so I had her write me a letter. And it was, you know, all stapled up and sealed up and said, you know, do not open in case of emergency, <laughs> blah, 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 kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because that whole race, I didn't even remember that I had it until that very moment, wow. right? So this is towards the end of day three. And I hadn't even, you know, we had been doing well enough that I hadn't even kind of thought about the fact that I had this kind of oh crap letter, right? And uh, so when I looked at Glenn, I was like, I'm going to take my letter and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to have a cry. And again, I went like two steps and I plopped <laughs> down and... I read this letter and, of course, instantly started crying because it's just, you know, yeah, whatever. It's I a letter, started, yeah. I'm not, I, I, I ain't ashamed. Instantly started crying, uh, read what is still, I think, to this day, some of the best words that she could possibly have written ever. Uh, finished that, like, kind of slammed my fists on the ground and stood up and looked at Glenn and I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and he was like, okay, uh, where are we going? You know, like, he wasn't sure which direction I wanted to head. and. Yeah. Whatever the hell the CP was that was next, that's like whatever number it was. I was like, ah, 45, let's go, whatever, you know. And so <laughs> off we stomped. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, that it, you know, maybe more people should do that. Get get a letter. Yeah. So maybe that's another business. Maybe you can go into the letter writing business. The letter writing people. business. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, right? Because it's, again, it's like those are those tactics, right? Like that's just yeah. something, it's a trick. You know, yeah. it's, I'm not going to call it a hack because it's not, but it's, it's a trick, right? I mean, it's something that you can do for yourself. And so, you know, what I've done and, and have encouraged other people to do is I'll have like a, you know, two word phrase that's on my road ID, right? So it's like when I'm having a crappy time, I can look at that and be like, okay, yeah. this is my strong self telling my weak self that, no, you really do want to do this. <laughs> so, and you can. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, um, so get races planned for this year? Heck yeah, heck yeah. Got some really good stuff coming up this year. Um, 
you know, the adventure racing calendars, you know, we're still sort of putting that together. Uh, spring, either, you know, the epic or breakdown, sort of haven't decided between what's going to work the best with, with those. Uh, definitely going back to Cowboy. Okay. Um, I've got a personal kind of challenge that I'm doing here. Um, there's this giant mountain down here called Mount Mitchell, which is, mm -hmm. you know, 6,600 feet. And whether most people want to admit it or not is the highest mountain east of the Rockies. Um and there's a series of races down here that uh, make up the Mount Mitchell Triple Crown, which is a 40-mile ultra, a uh, century road ride to the top of Mount Mitchell, and then a off-road mountain bike race to the top of Mount Mitchell. So all of them go on to Mount Mitchell, uh, and they make up the Mount Mitchell Triple Crown. So I'll be doing those three, and supposedly no women have ever done them all in one year, so yeah. I'll be the first one to do that, hopefully. Um, so it's only about a hundred and it's like 210 miles or so of of activity and i was telling a friend of mine about it an adventure racer They're like oh yeah that sounds like a good day and i was like <laughs> yeah no 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 it's, it's three races three different times yeah <laughs> that's so, that's the adventure yeah oh yeah that sounds like fun day yeah I know. or weekend, I mean, it's, or it's weekend. Like, <laughs> it sounds like a weekend whatever it sounds like a 24 hour or something like that um but no so the first one's coming up here uh in february which is the the 40 mile ultra marathon to the mm -hmm. summit uh they've had like you know negative 20 at the summit during that race so that should be pretty uh pretty exciting yeah yeah it sounds it does sound fun so. yeah it's 20 miles up 20 miles down so yeah oh then it's only 20 because downhills don't count yeah, totally. I'm sure that's exactly what I'm going to be thinking at about yeah. mile 35. Like, yeah, this doesn't count at all. Or it's like, how hard can this be? It's only one climb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very long climb. So, um, are you and Glenn going to do Cowboy Tough? Or are you going to do a four-person team? Or Yeah, so a uh, four-person team for Cowboy for sure. And it's looking like it's going to be a four-person female. Oh. Uh, ladies heading out to Cowboy. So that is the plan as of right now, which I'm really excited about. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's funny because people sometimes give you like the stink eye about wanting to race with ladies or, you know, I've done a lot of climbing with, with women-only partners. Yeah. And, you know, I get it. Adventure racing is a co-ed sport. Totally yeah. get it. I believe it. But you know what? Just like guys want to go have bro time sometimes, sometimes yeah. the ladies just want to go out for ladies' night. So I sort of just see this as us just wanting to do something kind of for fun and just add a different little bit of, of a challenge to it yeah well i think yeah you know yeah traditionally it's it's a mixed team but i don't see anything wrong with with a same-sex team it's like why not yeah i mean clearly the sport has evolved and changed and i, yeah. I love that its history is in co-ed and I, I do i do sort of still sort of ascribe to that co-ed piece of it because yeah. of the team dynamics um, but yeah, I mean, what's the difference between a two-person male or four-person female or, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So did you kind of toss around the idea of taking a mandatory male instead? Oh yeah, it's still it's still <laughs> it's still the possibility, um, and we've we've definitely tossed that around. And yeah. you know, there's a couple of of expedition races this year, so it may, we may not be only showing up at Cowboy. Um, so we will. We will see. I'm sure we'll take a special guy that would be willing to, to come onto a team with three ladies. No. Uh, but um, pretty psyched for sure because it's you know we're gonna put together a good team. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll have to link to the video with Warren Bates from Primal Quest because he raced with his wife, his sister-in-law, and another woman. Nice. <laughs> and and he said it was very um, 
eye-opening for him. Oh, I bet. So I bet. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting, right? Because I've, I've worked in traditionally male-dominated jobs. You know, I was a firefighter. I was a police officer. Been working around a lot of guys in my life. Mm-hmm. So being around guys and working with guys is, is not like a new thing for me, right? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the, it'll be interesting even from our perspective to sort of see how it all rolls out too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be interesting from my perspective to see how it rolls out. <laughs> oh, no doubt. <laughs> so, but, um, well, cool. Um, so then I want to, talk about grit yeah and not the newspaper from the 60s <laughs> you probably didn't even know there was a newspaper called the grit i didn't it's true it was like for rural rural people let's put it that way oh yeah <laughs> yeah so that makes sense <laughs> yeah um so tell me about it it's about kind grit. of a, it's kind of an offshoot of the coaching right yeah, so I mean, so grit is grit fascinates me, right? So mm-hmm. there's it's really kind of come in vogue these days the whole idea about, about around grit because there's a, a lot of new research. So there was a woman, uh, or there is a woman, Dr. Angela Duckworth, who's kind of the leading psychologist that's studying this, and I believe she's out of UPenn, and mm-hmm. she gave a TED talk about grit a few years ago, I think in 2012. And TED Talks are normally about, what, 19, 21 minutes, something like that? Yeah. Well, her TED Talk was six and a half minutes long hmm. because that's how much information there is out there about grit, <laughs> like, you know, clinical scientific information. Yeah. Uh, she likens it to, you know, we've studied in the tortoise and hare, we've studied the hare forever, but we've not really studied the tortoise, right? Yeah. And so her findings, her initial findings, the beginning of her research shows that grit is the single biggest predictor for success in children, right? Hmm. So... She's developed a way to not only obviously measure grit, um, but to then also sort of study that and see how it affects, um, her studies are in children, right? How it affects their outcomes in education. And so my kind of curiosity on this, right, is are we fixed in our grit development or as adults, you know, how do we develop grit, right? Yeah. Um, and, and most of the studies have really all been kind of focused on children because of this whole new idea that it's this, you know, predictor of success. Um, but I know that from my own personal experience, I do believe that grit can be developed in adults and cultivated in adults. And so it's that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm just really kind of fascinated by the whole thing. I think adventure racers in particular are just such a great, you know, or any kind of ultra endurance athlete, right, are just great um, fodder for just sort of looking into that whole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the definition of grit is a, is a challenging one for a lot of folks because, uh, um, you know, like I, I say, you know, it's it's like Justice Stewart. You know it when you see it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, for for Dr. Duckworth defines it as just being, you know, long-term passion and perseverance for, you know, long-term goals. And she's not talking about like six months a year. She's talking about like five years, seven years type of thing. Yeah, um, just, yeah, like a, like a grit stone. Just keep at it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, it's all of the things, right? So yeah. it's it's that, you know, it's it's deliberate practice, it's resiliency, it's um, perseverance, determination, all of those kinds of things, right? And I think you probably agree that, like, when you see somebody who's gritty, you know it, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's apparent, you know. And we conveniently, as adventure racers, are pretty much surrounded by that, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to get very far in adventure racing if you don't have the grit. Because not only for the grit for the competition, but the grit for all the training that goes into that, right? Because that's yeah. 
that's where the grid is made. The grid is made on a lonely training run at eight o'clock at night when it's 20 degrees and you're by yourself and you just want to be home, right? That's where you're actually making a grid. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it is. It's, um, I, I like your mission statement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's where it's at. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the eradication of self-limiting beliefs through the deliberate pursuit of stuff that's hard, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, shit that's hard. Shit that's hard, right? I mean, let's say it like it is, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to cut and kick ass, you're going to have to do yeah. shit that's hard, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's continuously, it's like an, an elastic band, like the way I look at it, is that you're yeah. going to stretch that every single time. And, you know, unfortunately for us in the endurance world, like when we have to stretch that rubber band, it's like, okay, well, my rubber band doesn't get even start getting tight until like 24 hours, right? And now I've got to keep going past that to even yeah. kind of start to develop even more past it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really think that there's so many things that go in to the ability to get rid of your self-limiting beliefs and obviously the accomplishment and the small victories and the, the uh, cultivation of that grit is just, it's, I think, just very easily accomplished by kind of setting a goal that's hard and then accomplishing it. Yeah. So I got to I got to go here. But nobody else knows that, but we've been kind of making fun of the movie's True Grit for the last few days. I wouldn't Cause, even cuz somebody hasn't seen them. <laughs> yeah, somebody hasn't seen them, you know. So, that's me. You know, you so, can't stream the old one. Yeah. Well, and and not to be a bummer cuz it was a really good thing, but that's the movie we were watching in the hospital when my dad died because he loved John. Oh Beyond man! <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. It, it um, is. It is kind of funny, but did it have Beyond? But so you're talking about grit and doing hard things and stuff, and it's like, but Maddie Ross had true grit too in the movie because all right. she all she wanted to do is go kill Tom Chaney. Right. She's like avenging your father's killer, right? Yeah, and it was really hard, and she was going to do it. So yeah. It's true. I started right? making fun of all that, and then all of a sudden I'm realizing, huh, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. You know, shouldn't you have been of... asking me if I'd read the book? Because it's a book, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, and honestly, the, the Coen Brothers movie is more toward the book. So Is it? Yeah. But but just so you know, next time I see you in a race, I'm going to yell at you to Fill your fill your hand, Ned Pepper, and prepare to That's die. That's right. <laughs> fill your hand. <laughs> and you're gonna say pretty bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. Exactly right. That sounds perfect. So, that sounds perfect. But so is is the grit just a philosophy you're you're sharing, or are you going? Are you teaching that to people? Yeah, totally. So the grit, you know, I obviously kind of have, you know, I have my coaching practice and then I sort of am putting up this blog, The Grit Factory, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and yes, do I absolutely teach grit in my, to my clients? Yeah. Absolutely, right? Do I yeah. encourage my clients to pick some shit that's hard and we can go after it together and they can mm -hmm. accomplish that and they can, they can accomplish some new grit? Yes, yeah. absolutely. The Grit Factory itself, like the blog, I hope to include some guest posts. I want to get that to sort of just be a resource for people who aren't my clients necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to just sort of see what's out there, right? And learn about this topic. And, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, right? That's, yeah. that's not my training. It's not my trade. Um, you know, but I think anecdotally, there's so much to learn from, you know, endurance sports and from other things that, 
make us rely on grit. Like, let's not, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about adventure racing, we talk about, you know, endurance sports because that's what we do, but, you know, grit is applied and learned and cultivated in all kinds of different things, right? Yeah. And so I, I want to use that blog and that kind of location as somewhere, as just a resource for people who want to learn more about grit and sort of get a little bit of a perspective change on that. Because I think a lot of folks, I think a, a lot of people believe that, you know, either you're gritty or you're not, and if you if you're not, too bad for you. And if you've got some and you don't have enough, then too bad for you. And so to really sort of start that paradigm change around the idea of, hey, you know what, you can actually become more gritty because I think a lot of people would would like to think of themselves as being gritty, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And that kind of speaks to the growth mindset idea, right? Which is yeah. that you know our brains are malleable and we're always kind of changing. And if we don't accept the fact that you know if if we if we do accept the fact that we can always learn new things and the brain changes and we can accept also the fact that we can we can become more resilient we can come more determined so oh. yeah well of course we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes that's just my, that that's my favorite saying yeah. <laughs> it's very it's very it makes me makes me feel like a grown-up podcaster I was going to say, it's a very professional, very, very professional sounding. Um, <laughs> but I'd love feedback, you know, because I really would like for kind of the Grit Factory to be sort of a community resource, right? Mm -hmm. So if people want to hear about something or if they want to provide content, you know, I mean, that's definitely, I don't, I mean, it's my domain, but it's like I would love to, to be able to open that up to just more folks so that we can just keep that dialogue kind of going because it's, it's really, it's just about benefiting for, for people, right? And, and yeah. that really is the mission, right, is that yeah. I really want to help people get the hell out of their own way. Um, and this is just a good source of, of support for that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, stock question 32. I'm going to open it up a little bit. What's your What's your best and and worst six hours of playing in the woods? Oh, playing in the woods. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to limit it to adventure racing, although you can. I was that was tough because I knew this question was going to come, and I was, thinking, <laughs> I was like, all right, what's my best? You know, I've been adventure racing for like a second, so yeah. you know. Let me think about that. Well, and, and so and for adventure racing, I was going to say that it was kind of one in the same was those sort of six hours that Glenn and I spent wandering around these mm -hmm. ranches in Wyoming because, you know, I experienced all of the highs and lows that you can experience in adventure racing sort of all in those six hours. Yeah. Uh, starting with when we rode out of that TA, I was... I almost, I was, I was nearly brought to tears even riding out that TA because I was like, man, we're gonna finish this thing, right? Yeah, like I yeah. was psyched because I was like, man, this is day three. We've only got like whatever that ride was that day. I was like, no sweat, we got this. We're gonna finish. This is great, right? And then within hours, it was like, okay, are we gonna need a rescue? Because this sucks, <laughs> you know. So it was kind of experiencing, and then to have it come all the way full circle and to to stomp off and read my letter and you know pick up yeah. and go on it was kind of all wrapped up in the same six hours so that was that was pretty awesome yeah and, and terrible I, yeah well i'm not <laughs> sure that that wouldn't be a fairly common to a lot of people that that the high and the low could be in the same six hours yeah so, absolutely i mean that it's the one thing about adventure racing is you know everything's compressed your emotions yeah. and all that so yeah that's cool that's why we do it that's why yeah. we do it <laughs> i mean i i had some pretty oh no we do it for the cool t-shirts yeah well then the t-shirts gotta start picking up their game because yeah. you know i got a cowboy tough t-shirt on right now <laughs> do you really that's I did. pretty easy. i wore a, a cowboy tough buff earlier today so there you go there you um go. Do, do you like navigation are you any good at it 
Uh, so it's not like my thing, right? I yeah. kind of feel like Nav is like math and it's just, I'm just destined to be terrible at it. <laughs> um, you know, I have done races solo and I've survived and I've cleared the course and granted they're not hard, you know, so yeah. I can obviously do it. Um, you know, that was one of the things that in Cowboy, you know, I should have been more in the map with Glenn for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, and that's a mistake. And it was something that we definitely talked about afterwards, which was like, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so I've gone out, uh, you know, and and tried to work with some folks to do a little bit better. I, I unfortunately, like one of the only downfalls of relocating from Northern Virginia down here to Asheville is, uh, you know, Northern Virginia has a great orienteering group up there. The QOC is just really active, and there's a lot of orienteering options down mm-hmm. here. Not as much. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be well, sort of sort of stuck for a little bit with that. Yeah. Welcome to our world. You know, we yeah do a row gate and have the same ten people. I yeah. will. And maybe you do this, but my suggestion, and it's what I do, is even when I'm where I go all the time, I always carry the map. And, gotcha. and you know, so maybe you know, maybe you're on a trail that you've done 50 times anyway. But just reading that map and looking at terrain just yeah, really, totally. really helps bring that mind together. And every once in a while, I'll be out and. I, I see on the map exactly what it looks like when I look up. And that's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah, no, that is great. I, yeah, well, that's one thing. You can learn it. Yeah, totally. I mean, and honestly, living here now in a new area with just incredible terrain and awesome, awesome national forest out here, yeah. you know, I've been in the maps a ton, right? Because yeah. it's all new to me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really go anywhere without the map and the compass. It doesn't mean that I'm like super great at it. I mean, yeah. I can do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, a friend of mine who lives here, who's also an adventure racer, her name's Val Harden. Um, we were out on some ride somewhere, and it occurred to me I had my AR pack on, and I was like, oh. And we were kind of like the trail. There had been fire damage, so the trail was majorly rerouted, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, wait a second. I have a compass. I have the map. I was <laughs> like, we're adventure racers. Let's figure this out. <laughs> so, so, well, and, and the it, other thing, my other trick is. I have an app on my phone called Topo Maps. Oh, yeah. So it's really nice because you can follow along with your map. And if you think, it, and I'll pick some place like 2K away and then get there. And then you can pull out your phone and say, oh, yeah, I am here. Or, yeah. oh, I missed it by a long ways. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that day, the combination of the map, the compass, and then the mountain bike project app was what saved us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, do you like to get lost? <laughs> Do I like it? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, if I've got, if I know that I'm not going to, like, starve to death, freeze yeah. to death, you know, and no one's waiting for me, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It Like, we were out Sunday in a kind of an area where I actually haven't been for maybe six or eight months because I haven't done anything. Yeah. And it's been logged and it's got new trails on it and it's got snow and it's like wow it's kind of cool i don't know where i am other than i know this road's over on my left and this one's on my right yeah you know it's like so you're not lost but you're like in a different area so yeah yeah Yeah, i don't mind at all and that's the cool thing about and why i don't get like freaked out during races or anything when you're lost because it's you know whatever we're not going to starve we're not going to freeze you know i mean we're fine yeah (laughs) we just got to figure out where we are it makes for a better story. Absolutely. <laughs> Always. And we're all about the stories. All about so, them. Um, all right. So you know the last question of the day, right? Packing? Yep. 
<laughs> yes. The night before a race, am I still packing? Yep. I am so new that you're damn right I'm so packed. <laughs> and repacking and unpacking and counting calories and putting one bar in another Ziploc and another bar in a different Ziploc and asking a thousand questions and wondering about transitions. Yes, I'm doing all those things. Okay, that's good. I'm, <laughs> uh, let's see, I have 40, 45 days out from Belize and I think I'm going to start packing in a couple of days. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't already got some piles going. Um. I would, except we've kind of been redoing the gear room downstairs, so it's not quite conducive to laying stuff on the floor. So I'll probably just wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I bet. You know, I have to say, it definitely gets easier, right? So yeah. after Cowboy, so then we did, you know, obviously at USARA Nationals this year, it was like getting ready to go do that was like, oh, you know, let me throw some pretzels in a water bottle in my bag and we can go. You yeah. know, it's like after you kind of blow that out to the cowboy proportion you know expedition proportions and then scale it back it's kind of like oh yeah okay yeah yeah it's after you yeah done after you've gone big yeah it's easy to go a little yeah totally totally um, there's a lot of perspective shift there right because when i first you know when i did i did epic this uh last year in the spring with like mark latanzi and andy bacon and those guys are just flying right yeah and uh you're like, yeah, it's a sprint. And it's my brain wasn't in the like 24 hours as a sprint mode yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it. All right, there's mm -hmm. my mindset shift. Got it. This is a sprint. It's 24 hours. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> cool. um, of course, you know I always lie about the last question. So, Sure, fire away. What do you think will be your best distance, you know, mentally and physically, like, Three-day, four-day, ten-day? I think that I'm going to be good at the really long haul. Yeah. And I think it's not only because of all the mindset work that I do, you know, both personally and professionally, but, but also just major mountaineering expedition experience. I mean, I've spent, you know, weeks and weeks in the backcountry. And so I think kind of the longer we get out, the more comfortable I am. Yeah. 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 I think that that's, makes sense to me. Yeah, totally. And 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 cuz it's that whole like just go forever as opposed to you know, 24 hours is a sprint. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. And and not to not to uh degrade them cuz I know it's a big thing, but you always kind of just giggle a little bit when you see a 13.1 sticker on a car. Hey man, you know when I did my first half marathon, I thought I was cool as hell I, I mean, know at the time man I was right <laughs> yeah and that that's where it's all relative you know and obviously coming from me I mean I'm proud of somebody who who you know it's as hard for them to run that 5k as it is for us to be out for for four days at a time right yep. so it's uh and shame on me if I'm not pushing myself to continue to always make it harder for myself right that's exactly I would never tell anybody that because I know but I still giggle a little bit yeah I can understand until you find out that they did it in an hour and 25 minutes. There you go. Right. Except, and then you're like, okay, it's not funny anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what else? Anything? Man, I don't think so. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk to you and sort of preach a little bit because I can get preachy on this stuff for sure. No, yeah, that's not a problem because then I don't have to talk as, <laughs> as much as I like to listen to myself. <laughs> so... No. Okay, um, so what's the very next race you got? 
Uh, I have a 50k in two weeks. Yeah. 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 Which uh, is down here at Sali, which yeah. is like world class mountain bike trails. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got a, a 50k on that, and I'm actually glad it was cold today because it's probably going to be cold in two weeks, and it hasn't been so far, and so. Like today was the first day I had to run in something other than a t-shirt. And so I was kind of like, okay, let me start thinking about this again. Yeah. All right. Well, when I see the 50K sticker on your car, I'm going to giggle just a little bit. I bet you're going to giggle just a little <laughs> bit. <aren't you? laughs> so. All right. I'm going to hang up because I need to get out. All right, Randy. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Hey, it's great to talk to you. Everybody else, you know, go fast, take chances, and action first. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> Yo, VIP, let's kick it!